0: Hi, and welcome to Having New Eyes, a podcast to help you look at things differently, to think, to reflect, to ask questions. The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Marcel Proust. And now here's your hosts, Bob
1: Hotard and Jim Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Beginning. I'm Bob Hotard in San Antonio, Texas. I'm Jim Jones in uh, Brookline, Massachusetts. So uh, perhaps maybe uh, you've read the the news like us and wondered, well, how does it really apply to you as an individual? And I'm talking to anyone who's listening. Have you thought about its meaning or maybe even uh, the impact that it might have on your life? And what, what we maintain and what we might talk about today is the idea of identity. Jim, what immediately comes to your mind when you think of that?
2: Let's just back up a second, because when I think about the news and current events, I don't know about you, but I think of John Hughes' 1986 movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. There's a point there where Matthew Broderick stares into the camera in the audience and says, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. And that's what's happening to me now. I am getting swamped with news every day, one issue after another. But the difference is, for me, I have a lens where I see that many of the issues, much of the news and the current events that are happening around the world, have to do with the concept
1: of identity. And that's in a way surprising because I I don't think, obviously, we're, we're talking the... Midweek or second week in March 2020, and we can't escape the coronavirus. We're going to talk about how that's really related to, it's an identity issue in addition to just being a health issue. And I think that's something that not very many people make a connection to. And and so I can't wait till we get into that. How do we say that identity is embedded in almost everything that we're, we're seeing or listening to in our news feeds? Well,
2: stop and think about it. If I asked you, or you asked me, or anybody, what are some of the influences that have made you as a person? Most people would probably say, oh, my parents and my family. Maybe some people would say, oh, my religion. Personally, I can relate to that. I'm a Catholic. It's had a big influence on my life. Some people will say, well, I'm a guy. Being male has definitely had an influence on my life. If we stop to think about all of the influences that have made us the person that we are, and sometimes they haven't just been some of the familiar ways like being male or being from a certain culture or having a certain religion, but maybe there are events like 9-11. For me, the Kennedy assassination. Maybe for some people it is disease like we're having the coronavirus right now because at one time, I had to get polio shots. I had to get vaccinated for smallpox. These were national events. And when I read the paper these days, I am seeing a repeat of some of these same issues. Politics, yes, they've been occurring throughout my lifetime. They occur throughout everybody's lifetime. Certainly, in this case, major events like a disease, like a war, things dealing with religion, the media, gosh, how much has the media influenced it? I was a kid who sat in front of television when they were just coming out in black and white, and I was soaking up everything from Howdy Doody to the Lone Ranger. So all I'm saying is that the things that have influenced me in my lifetime are the things that have influenced other people in their lifetime. And if you stop and take some time to look at it as... Bears Bueller or Matthew Broderick suggest, you see that there are some things there related and have much deeper meaning.
1: When I think of that, or when I think of identity, in in my mind, I just I go back to something that you were you were mentioning. So it's it's kind of my family origin. I have a history of uh, Louisiana French, German, maybe some Cajun, but the typical story for me stops there because I was born in Chicago. So I always say I was born in Chicago with Cajun blood, but really who I am comes from a combination of being in an Air Force military family, yes, raised Catholic, but then I married outside of my religion. I, I married a, a, a Methodist woman. Oh, my God. But at the time, late 70s, early 80s, it was very unconventional. So I've also followed some unconventional career paths over my career and have gone through many different transitions that wasn't as uh, common- before, quite common now. I think the average is, is three years. But the point there being is that that all comes to what I kind of bring to the table when I read, think, talk about something. That's part of my identity, I would assume. And more than likely, that's this, the same for you, correct? Oh,
2: absolutely. Get this my name is Jim Jones. I'm Latino or Latinx. My dad was a Jones. My mother was a Cisneros. I lived on the Prospect Hill community on the west side of San Antonio. And by the way, think about it. How often do we identify ourselves or people just by geography and location? Go to Chicago and say, where are you from? And they say, Southside. Ooh, that says something. It creates images. Go to San Antonio and say, where are you from? Alamo Heights. Oh, I see. You're one of those hoity toity Alamo Heights people. I lived on the West Side. And because I was living my life, I was basically in between two cultures. So, what was I? Was I, we didn't call them Latinos back then, we just call them Mexican Americans. Was I Mexican American? Was I Anglo, as we called them back then? I was watching this program the other day, a new program, because obviously. Programs that have to do with Latinos or Latinx people interest me. I want to see programs like Undone or Viva, or this program was called Gentified. And it's about the Latino community, Boyle Heights in LA, and it's becoming gentrified, and the yuppies are moving in. And because of that, some people are seen as gravitating toward the Anglo culture. And in one scene just recently, You got this guy and all his buddies are telling him they're not Mexican enough, either because of the language that he doesn't speak perfectly or with not enough slang, or there's things about the culture that he doesn't know well enough, or maybe he prefers dating an Anglo girl rather than a a Latina. These different issues are clouding his sense of identity. And I see this in the news today when we can look on the stage, when Having the candidates in a debate, and we can say, Oh, yeah, her, she's the woman. Oh, yeah, he's the billionaire. Oh, yeah, he is the gay man. Oh, yeah, he's the guy that was with Obama. Oh, yeah, him, he's the socialist. These issues of identity are embedded in some of the major events that are happening all the time. And maybe through our podcast, we can have some people that look at some of these themes and current events. And it embellishes, it enlightens them about what they can see, or maybe have some new eyes when they look at what's happening in the world.
1: I'm so glad that you started talking about some of these newer shows that are coming on that that you can watch over streaming devices. There's so many programs now. We have Disney Plus, HBO, HBO is going to be coming out with HBO Max, Netflix. And there's shows like Westworld, The Mandalorian, they're definitely rooted in identity, the whole story of The Mandalorian. Who is this man in the mask? Westworld is, you can't get past episode, one part of one episode with thinking about identity. It's all about, you know, is the person real or are they a a robot per se? That's kind of fascinating in itself that it's based in identity or it's about identity. But I don't know if everyone really thinks about that because we're all just kind of interested in that, that show or like you're talking about, it's, uh, it's more of the language and the things that you can relate to, but it is uh, about identity. So what are some of the um, current events that you've seen or heard about recently that uh, kind of come across as an identity topic for you or story, I guess?
2: I'm struck by several current events. One of them that relates to me, because again, I'm a Latino or Latinx, is in East Boston recently. A woman was walking down the street with her daughter, and they were conversing in Spanish. And they walked past two women who took offense. Now, already we're saying, was this they take offense because of the person's identity as Spanish or the language that they spoke? But nonetheless, what occurred was. They said, go back to your own country. And both of them are United States citizens, but they made the association, your identity is not American. An argument ensued and the women basically started punching the daughter and her mother and a fight ensued. And I'm thinking one way of looking at this is by a series of events. Two women walking down the street, speaking Spanish, passed by two women, who are Anglo or not Spanish-speaking or not Latinos, and a fight ensues. Or we can say, wow, look how powerful how we identify ourselves can make us vulnerable. Or look how powerful the way we identify ourselves can make it fearful. Gosh, I don't have to tell anybody here. I'm not gay. You're not gay. But we know that gay people, for many years, hid their identities. This is a powerful concept, and to me, when I read that article, I said, "Wow, that is an identity piece right there in microcosm."
1: And so, I'll share something personal. We we moved to San Antonio in 1970. I can remember several instances of either friends or, and later on, after we'd been here for a while, I had brothers and sisters in their late teens, so they were going to high school and dating, and families choosing to speak Spanish, but choosing to speak Spanish in front of someone who is not bilingual. I I can remember that, that feeling of, do I say something? They're obviously not being rude. They're just speaking in their native language, but are they, you know, you have that feeling of, well, are they, are they speaking about me? Are they saying something that they don't want me to hear? So that very, you know, you can relate to that issue, but obviously the story you related, the woman took it to an extreme, you know, she, she said something ugly to the person and got in an argument and it's, it's terrible. But can we all relate to that? And how does that affect who we are through the decision we make? Do we say something? Do we politely say something? Or is it something that you just let pass? And I can remember several instances where my family would get personally hurt or thinking that something was wrong or that it, th- this was something that we hadn't seen before or come across before. So it becomes an issue, if you will.
2: You raise... Another issue, because there are always many layers to identities, look at my identity and the many things I mentioned to you, one of those layers is is that because of our identities, the way that we self-identify, it can be dangerous, it can be fearful, it can resort in violence because of certain people, let's say, having religious beliefs about certain major topics, be it abortion or the role of women in some religions, this could be very offensive to some people. And some were just saying, but this is my religion. This is how I identify myself. Another article that I was struck by was when Kobe Bryant died. The reason that it struck me is not just because he was a great basketball player, They were interviewing him months ago. He had won an Academy Award. He was working in the movie industry. He was trying to work in women's sports and to especially work in LGBTQ communities with sports because he felt that sports should be inclusive to everybody and nobody should be marginalized. And one of the things that the interviewer said was, wow, you're getting in so many different things other than basketball. And he said, we aren't just what we play. I'm not just a basketball player. Now, I can relate to this because having retired after 44 years, what do you do when for 44 years, a very strong part of your identity is your profession? I'm a teacher. And all of a sudden, the day after I retire, I don't have that identity. It's a humbling feeling to feel like kind of a little lost because you just took a big chunk out of the way I identify myself because my professional career is ended. I'm just using that as another example of reading the paper. And not only was I reading about Kobe, I was reading about me. I'm not just the profession that I work in, I have multiple layers of identity.
1: So I'm going to throw in a parallel observation about identity in sports because I related to that quote from Kobe in a different way and it's why I love American football. And one of the reasons is that of all the even if you take the top 3 major football, baseball, basketball and only football with the uniform, you you could say armor with the the pads and the helmet disguises someone's True identity, if you will. I mean, yes, you can see the color of their skin on their arm or or maybe the legs, but more than any other sport, when you put the helmet and the pads on, you're just a football player. It, You know, now, of course, we, we can zoom in and see facial expressions. We can look and see just by the type of body type or the position they play, more than likely who they might be. But, you know, having played the sport, too, it's an equalizer because you're just a football player you don't see a blonde hair or you don't see black hair or you really don't see because you have to play and operate in that kind of arena together as a team sure there's teamwork in basketball there's teamwork in in baseball but you're exposed as a person they see who you are yes you know maybe a, a baseball cap or you you have certain style but you know basketball you're certainly out there but in football you're not and so in essence, you become well a different person but you're also part of this team and even the armor that you put on if you will disguises that identity so that you all are alike and so it's kind of a a contrast really but it, it's all you know it's it's not who you are but in essence it's what you have to be in order to play does that make sense
2: of course it makes sense and you know what certainly there are rivalries all over the united states but come out here on the east coast if you are walking around the city in Boston and if you're wearing a Yankees hat, <laughs> let me tell you, you are just you have just alienated yourself by your identity as a quote unquote Yankee fan. And conversely, the same thing is go down to Yankee Stadium and wear a Boston <laughs> Red Sox cap and you will get looks because of the gear that you wear simply because. You have identified yourself as a fan of that team. So does sports, can it influence someone? Yes. And I'm not going to go into a long story here, but maybe about a year ago, we had someone out at Gillette Stadium where the Pats play that was walking around in a jersey of the Miami Dolphins. An argument ensued about the sports teams, not about the individuals or what their ethnicity was or anything, about the sports teams. And someone takes out a ballpoint pen and sticks it in his neck. Wait a minute. Time out. Is this because I was a Miami Dolphins fan because of my identity? Sometimes this is deadly stuff.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's uh, there's so many parallels there. And and I think even if you look at right now in the in the NFL more than any other time in history, the popular of course Tom Brady being leading the list, uh, the popular NFL quarterbacks now are becoming free agents. Are they going to stay with the team? Will the New England Patriots still have the same identity without Tom Brady? Will you know go on and go on down the line? So it even becomes even at that light superficial level, it's an identity issue or topic because they become part of who that franchise, that's why they call them franchise quarterbacks because they become the franchise. So let's talk a little bit more now about get into a a little deeper discussion in some of the things that we've talked about. Um, Maybe one of the current events that you brought up where we can really get into something that is uh, a little bit more personal what else can we discuss, Jim? Uh, well, we talked about the coronavirus, and I know that's a, you can't, uh, you can't go anywhere today in, the, in, uh, in March of 2020 without hearing, thinking, or, uh, or, or um, uh, being faced with something relatable to the coronavirus. But how is that an identity issue?
2: I like current events. I'm a guy that reads the paper in the morning. I have three news feeds on my little iPad. I watch the evening news and I'll also watch CNN every once in a while. I just, whatever it is, a phobia or whatever it is about, I want to know what's going on. Well, now everywhere I hear about the coronavirus and it makes a personal connection to me because I think we all know that not everybody in the United States has medical insurance or medical care. When I was a young man, My father was stationed overseas because after World War II, he remained in Japan and then the Korean War. And I lived with my grandparents. We lived in the west side of San Antonio in the Prospect Hill neighborhood, which most people would agree is in a lower socioeconomic level. I enjoyed it, it was great. But the thing about it was, is is that I can't tell you how many times we had, I was exposed to home remedies. Because to make the decision about an expense to go to see a doctor for an illness was major. And we already know that one of the things that influences us when we grow up, it's not the same growing up as Michael Bloomberg's child as it is the child of Agustina and Jose Cisneros. I was their grandchild and We grew up a little bit more cautious about how money was going to be spent when there were diseases or a flu or whatever. We had some home remedies that they would use first with us, or rub us down with volcanico lotion or any kind of a home remedy. And I just think, wow, the coronavirus. We're assuming that yeah, if you got the bucks, you can go out and buy the Purell and you can buy all the extra toilet paper and paper towels and do wipe downs and everything, but because of our identity, our socioeconomic identity, or maybe even our identity in particular cultures, we don't have the same kind of equal access. Again, these are life and death situations.
1: I I think even by the fact that it's the first part of the year, even the Middle income to wealth people who have insurance, but it's the beginning of the year. Have they reached their deductible? They may have insurance, but their deductible may be five thousand dollars or two thousand dollars. So most of the time at the beginning of the year, people are paying, uh, you know, the actual amount rather than the prorated or whatever uh, their their portion is. So I, I wonder how that affects decisions that people make about uh, about this and those kinds of and about medical care. I know in our family, that's been a a choice in the past where we decide, well, is it something that we really need to take care of? So how does that, you know, how does something like the coronavirus uh, affect that? And I've noticed just so just this past weekend, walking into three or four stores, I would say that it was quite obvious that there was more attention to. Uh, hand sanitizer, or oh, let me wipe that down for you. And em- employees walking around in a in a uh, uh, Target or a superstore where uh, that's the case, you would never see that. Yes, they would have them at the checkout or maybe at the doors. That's that's about it. But it's almost like everyone has taken the the hospital mentality uh, of that. So we we still want to relate this to identity, but I think it it's changing everyone and how who we are and. The decisions we make i've noticed meetings now we we have an association meeting coming up this weekend uh, this week rather uh for our user experience group well they changed it to a virtual only meeting just because the location where we were going to have it didn't want to have uh that many people and i say didn't want to have but by their policy wherever they can avoid having people out, people from the outside of their company coming in sure it makes sense so it's changed to a virtual meeting so it's it's having an impact but help us to understand how do we relate that how does it relate to our identity
2: we have been basically just to give a brief summary is that all of us have certain elements that identify us our culture our religion etc sometimes those can clash with some other elements in society, other people, events that are occurring. You know, I said a little while ago that 9-11 was a big influencer in my life. We already know that the day before on 9-10, if you were a Muslim, man, life is probably pretty good. Go down to the store, go in a public place, go shopping, whatever. changed everything if that was your identity. Because after that, people looked at you differently because of who you were. Uh, Who you look like. What you look like. I was reading an article just the other day about the Jing Feng store in Chinatown. A very popular store to go and get dim sum. And the owner was talking about when the coronavirus occurred, which we know originated in China, that business dropped and that outside his store, people were speaking with all kinds of expletives against Chinese and making different types of gestures for anybody that was Chinese that was attempting to come into that store. And life just changed within a couple of days. It wasn't life that changed. It was the sense of that person's identity and being Chinese. And again, we're not trying to say that your identity will bring violence upon you, that it will cause harm in your life. But we are saying that there are so many layers that we have to our identity that we have to be cautious because it can be a very powerful factor in how our society and people get along.
1: When you see someone who's Asian, do you think differently? Do you speak, do you react differently? And I'm just talking about anyone who is Asian, who might be Asian or look like they're Asian. Is that where we're at now because of the coronavirus? Or if you do know if someone is specifically Chinese, or they share that. I think that's something that we have to deal with today because of the instant news, because of the instant information that's available to us. But we have to be wary, like you say, of overreacting or reacting at all. Or is it necessary? It's almost like I immediately empathize with someone in that situation and think, if I was that person, what would I be thinking? What would I? How would I want to be treated? And that's not probably a bad way to, to approach most situations. But I don't know if, if, if most people do.
2: I'd like to bring up something here because you've reminded me about something. When it comes to identity, probably one of the most recent or one of the most common Places where all of us can relate to all the layers of identity is when we get into high school. You know, I went to Thomas Jefferson High School in San Antonio, Texas, and man, we had the kickers over here, and we had some goths over here, and we had the jocks over here, and we had, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, that time we even had the smokers because we had an area that was designated smoking. Everybody was in their different group, and they were. Separated. But at the same time, there was an overriding kind of identity because when you get into high school, that's when you first realize that there are in groups and there are out groups. I don't know. From my teaching experience on the last couple of years, jocks have always been an in group. If you're a jock, it's like you're safe. That's a safe identity. You could be a Latino, you could be a Muslim. But if you're a jock, that's a safe identity. Outgroups, I hate to say it, but many times it's been people who are in the lower socioeconomic groups or people for some reason because of physical appearance or another reason for some people might just be the fact that they're maybe a little nerdy or something for lack of a better term. But we have these in-groups and out-groups. Again, going back to identity, identity sometimes many of our major our major differences and things within society that break us apart is because how we identify look one of the most basic right now is oh yeah that's a red state oh yeah that's a blue state you know here we are just by colors we can alienate some people as being in or out so much so that Gee, I'm gonna to go to this party or I'm gonna be in this place, but I'm not gonna reveal my political preferences or that I flew over and I'm visiting my cousin and I'm from a blue state or something. Which I might I might just also add at this point. We're throwing a lot of information out here, but we're probably gonna be very aware in our podcast of the difference between discussing an issue and having dialogue about an issue. When you have discussion. That comes from the root word, same as percussion, where you're hitting, you're striking. This is where someone has to debate and win. A decision has to be made. Heck, I don't know the answers to everything here that we're talking about. I'm living my world and looking at it. I enjoy the dialogue about this stuff because dialogue comes from the root word dialogos, which means free flow of ideas free flow of information. You listen, I talk, you talk, I listen, and I don't make any judgments. So as I say all this stuff, I'm not making judgments about some of the people and some of the factors that we've mentioned, but it is important for us to put it all out on the table. So again, just like Ferris Bueller, you can take a look at this stuff, take the time to look at it and hear.
1: So I'm going to call you out though and say, um, uh, let's, let's say athletes and not jocks. <laughs> couldn't, re- <laughs> couldn't resist, couldn't resist. Uh,
2: well, this, I won't say this, which this group is, I was in, know, but I'm just saying. You want to you, you know one of the other, I was a, a jock too. You want to know one of the other uh, factors in our identity is age. Age is a big factor. And I'm showing you my age by my language is coming from a different time. Listen to this identity story. I was with my granddaughter in Portland, Oregon, going for her swimming lessons. And we can't go into the pool and change until the group before us gets out of the pool. And there's a glass right there where we can watch the people that are in the pool. Our granddaughter says, Can we go in and change now? And we say, No, Lucy, because there's another group in there. And she says, Oh, yeah, the old people. And basically, it's the seniors in the group that stand in waist high water. They put on some jazz music and they kind of, you know, move their upper torso and everything. But I'm thinking, what the heck? How did she learn that already? The old people. I looked at her and I said, Lucy, are you not in grandpa? Old people? She says, yeah. And so I said, well, how do you know that? And she says, because you have gray hair. I says, is that on? She says, no, because you move slowly. (laughs) And I'm thinking, my gosh, we're already identifying. Those are the old people. Don't go hang out with that group because they move too slowly for you.
1: Gray hair and move slow.
2: (laughs) This is, stereotypes are going to develop for any type of group. You know, that whether you're from the South or those Californians on the West Coast or we New Englanders, there are stereotypes that develop. But again, what I'm saying is, We've got to be really careful that we don't start to believe stereotypes that are not based on exact information because it's just like me and you, Bob. We may be separated by age, we may be separated by geographical region, by beliefs, whatever. But we ought to be able to, at least to make our country work, be able to talk about our differences and realize. But maybe there's some richness in everybody's identities.
1: One of the things that uh, I work for AT&T as a uh, web designer, and many of our, our calls and our our teammates are, what we would say, geographically separated. We're all in different cities, so we're on conference calls or web calls. And one of the things that uh, the company started doing that Randall Stevenson was very much in favor of was taking a time out during the year to just have a dialogue days of dialogue, they call it, where you set some time to meet with people and just find out who they are. So we, we have, uh, some of us will participate in a virtual discussion where, you know, I may be speaking to someone on the West coast, the East coast, uh, down South, up North, the middle of the country in the Plains, wherever, but we're just finding out about who we are. Share what is your life story? Where do you come from? And it's strange, but you, you don't hear those kind of things or you never even have an opportunity because you don't meet people in the hallway, you don't see them after work because you're most, most of the time telecommuting and, and working outside of, a, of an office environment. So it's, it's fascinating when I participated in these to see how much similarities we all had um, going through situations of mergers and projects, what that uh, we weren't even in the same place or or on the same project, or uh, we were in a different part of the merger, but we experienced it was it was just mind-boggling. We were all experiencing very similar or the same type of reactions and problems and issues, and that just goes to show you how sometimes it you know it doesn't really matter where you are, who you are, or where you come from. But you can share common commonalities, if you will, between someone. Or you can relate because you have a similar identity to who they are, to what, to what they are about.
2: I hope that's the case because uh, I enjoy your company. And I'm a husband, you're a husband. I'm a father, you're a father. I'm a parent, you're a parent. I like retro rock music, and from all indications that I know about you, you like retro rock music. And I think we've connected on that. We had different types of upbringings, although I think one of the ones we had in common was your dad was in the military, my dad was in the military. And that certainly has an effect because, you know, military people, as a rule, tend to want to establish rules. In a certain type of uh, regimen uh, within the home, and I was certainly uh, subjected, and I guess you could say, to that. So we share a lot of things in common, and I hope, again, that through the podcast, that we might be thinking about some of the challenges that arise from issues of identity in current events, but then also being aware that. Sometimes our identities can unite us in ways that would be new and interesting.
1: What are some of the ways where the reverse is true?
2: Where we, where we have challenges?
1: Right. And, you know, we, we've shared so many ideas, but what if we took it to the next level and we talked about some, uh, some specifics where maybe it's a conflict? Or and we we shared a little bit of of that before, but you know, I guess we've shared both sides where identity, shared identity, can be good, or where someone's identity presents a problem, presents a challenge, and how do you deal with that? So maybe let's talk about an an open-ended scenario that uh, you know where you're faced with something.
2: Let me share a personal experience with you. Okay. This scenario shows how. The mood, the state of mind within a room because of identity can change and pivot on a dime. Back in the mid-60s, I was uh, in the Gulf of Tonkin, and I knew all the guys around me. I knew where they slept. I knew where their bunks were. They knew mine. We joked about what we missed back home, the kind of foods, our girlfriends. We talked, we all got along, which was great. Small compartmental ship. One day, I opened my locker, and as many young men do, I had a picture of my sweetheart. When I opened that locker, and her picture was visible, one of the guys that I knew very well said, your girlfriends, and he used a pejorative, for someone who's Spanish. I don't choose to say that. As soon as he said that, the whole atmosphere in the room changed. It changed because I didn't identify this in those terms at that time, but because of the identity of someone in a photograph, in a locker, there was almost an accusatory. Tone of voice that was like, You date someone like that? Now, again, I was a Jones. So he probably was unaware and it never came up where I had to say, Oh, everybody, I just want you to know my surname is Jones, but I am a Latino or I am Mexican American. That never came up. And at that moment, I had to deal with something that happens very often when identity issues are involved i had a dilemma a dilemma is a particular type of challenge you are confronted with that involves a choice was was i going to come to the defense of a woman a sweetheart someone that i loved and appreciated in that moment despite this who i now would call a bigot in his accusatory tone of voice, was I going to not say a thing because I valued his friendship? And maybe even more than the friendship is, I didn't want to alienate myself from the people around me because I was in the in-group. Now, because of identity or association with this woman who I still considered my sweetheart, I might Jeopardize my standing in the in group and become a member of the out group? This is the challenge of identity, in some cases, dilemmas, when now we have to make some hard choices about how we're going to respond. I'm not going to talk about how I responded at that exact time, because it's more important to illustrate the idea of how identity can create dilemmas that can be very problematical than it is to say, oh, well, let me just tell you what I did. So going back to what you were saying, this is one of the reasons that we want to have people perhaps have some new eyes at looking at some of these issues. Because if not, we might make some facile judgments about people, and circumstances, and states of mind, and events that occur, and the less we do that, maybe the more likely we are to live in a society that is united instead of divided.
1: That's awesome. So, I want to share something that happened to me just this past weekend. Somewhat of a somewhat of an identity dilemma, but it's it's also a question of: Do I react, act, or or do anything? So. Uh, we're practicing for a softball tournament and we're all through with the practice and we're all kind of taking off our, uh, our cleats and, and putting on our sneakers and getting ready to head to the car. And one of my friends said, uh, Oh yeah, no, I don't, I I don't like Nike cleats. I don't wear anything Nike. I was kind of, you know, shocked one. Why, why is he just out sharing, sharing that information? And then I noticed that every stitch of clothing had uh, Under Armour, which I also found kind of interesting. If, you know, anyone that clearly shops for sporting goods now knows that Under Armour has replaced Nike as the lead of being the most expensive in brand, et cetera. But it still ate at me. I was like, why did he say that? And I, I just, and for some reason I, I came close to asking him, what What's the deal with Nike cleats? What's wrong? Why won't you wear Nike cleats or anything Nike? And then as we, but I didn't say anything. So it, it was starting to be a dilemma. Do I bring this up? Do I challenge him? And then I realized, Oh, it's the Colin Kaepernick issue. He is boycotting Nike because he does not agree with Colin Kaepernick's stand to uh, protest the, the uh, police violence. And he just associates that with Nike. So, but he went out of his way to say something. Do I, did anyone else hear it? Notice it? Maybe, maybe one other, two other people at the, at the most, but I heard it and it bothered me, especially once I realized, oh, that's why he said it. And so my dilemma is, well, do I ask him and say, and just question why, why don't, why don't you like Nike? And I, my immediate thought was, well, I know the answer. So it's, we're not going to solve anything between here and the and the parking lot in our cars, so uh, don't get into it. But then I started to think, thinking about this podcast, thinking about the identity issue. What what does that mean to him? Why does he not want to be associated with that? And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm comp- way off. Maybe he has some other hangup with with Nike. You, I, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that was the reason. Yet it's a it's a dilemma. Do I do I speak? Do I say something? Is it important? Is it worth my time? And I I kind of think that. Many people fall into that, I'm just going to keep quiet. It's not my, it's not my place. It's not my, it's not worth the time, the effort, or, uh, they always see it too as something, well, it's only going to be a negative conversation if I get into it. And I don't want that right now. And that could be a positive choice. I don't want to bring in that negative type of dialogue into my life, but at the same time, it, it could, you know, could go the other way as well.
2: Well, so far when we've talked about identity, we've used some of the more common ways, you know, you identify a person by their sexual orientation, by their place or role in a family, by their religion, by their neighborhood or geography. But there's another way to identify uh, a person, and that is, I'll use your example, it's a state of mind. That's when, in a moment like that, we're basically asking ourselves in this moment when this has just occurred, who am I? Is my state of mind that I'm the person that stands up and challenges a person? Is my state of mind that I'm quiet and I don't try and ruffle any feathers? Is my state of mind that I seethe inside? And I want to say something, but I'm not, but I'll probably go home and take it out on my wife because she's going to be the first one that I see there. It's a state of mind. And we have to remember, I think, that this topic of identity, which we have been taking through several layers right now, is not just some of the easy ways to define, but states of mind. It's like if you're a parent and you say in this state of mind, who am I? I'm a person who doesn't lose my temper in front of my child. That defines me. In this particular situation as a parent, who am I? I'm a person that uses reasoning instead of violence when I deal with any kind of indiscretions with my children. That's even more deep and more complex when it comes to talking about identity. Look, Bob, I know you, I like you, and I would venture to say you might feel like I do. You know, life is tough enough, and I'm just trying to be a good person in living my life. And in trying to be a good person, I'm trying to understand. You know, I moved up to New England, and I went to my very first ever
1: live hockey game.
2: I had no clue what hockey was about because we didn't have it in Texas at that time.
1: Didn't know a blue line from a red line, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. I saw the ice. I saw the players. Fantastic. I had no clue what was going on. I could name specifics of facts. Like they were wearing the red jerseys and Boston university was wearing the red and yellow jerseys. And the people on the left were, and the people on the right were, I missed what was really valuable about watching that game. I think that when a person thinks about some of the issues that we've begun to talk about today, you look at current events, you look at news that's evolving, the people, the places, the circumstances, the experiences, the events, and all of a sudden, It's like when you walk in and you say, wow, did you see how that defenseman cut across the ice? Did you see how he struck the puck on that side of the goal? Did you see what happened when he cross-checked him?" It embellishes. It adds another way of looking at that page or the news that you're watching on the television or on the iPad screen in front of you. And all of a sudden, you have insights you have sights into what is happening before you and that's very exciting to me to think about maybe i'm going to be a better person because i can do that with what i read in the news and say oh yeah some people in germany waved a uh, swastika at a group of people that's just too basic that's just that's just facts that's not learning anything from experiences like that
1: i think of that phrase the moment of choice how do you react what do you say what do you do at that moment of choice when you're faced with something your your son says something to you or your daughter and you have that that instant sometimes it's an instant sometimes it's several slow seconds that tick by but sometimes it's just an instant where You know you should react or you have to react, but you don't know exactly how. Are you going to, like you were talking about, are you going to be calm? Are you going to fly off the handle? Are you going to react differently or give no reaction, which sometimes can be worse than any reaction, I'm sure in some children's mind.
2: That's why I'm looking forward to our next session, because in the next session, one of the things that happens when we're just trying to be good people and we know that these issues of identity can influence us, that we want to remain true to who we are and what's the best part about who we are. We want to have a certain integrity about that. So talking about integrity and what it is and maintaining it and challenges to it, I think is going to be a pretty rich conversation.
1: Excellent. A good time to, to wrap it up. And uh, Jim, thanks. I just hope that everyone understands and listens, but also begins to think about who they are, what their identity is, and how that can influence their life. What does it mean? And, and we certainly want to, to be open about this and for people to share their ideas and to share their, their thoughts as well. And then also integrity. Nice uh, nice episode and nice topic to think about and, and certainly ties in well with uh, identity also.
2: Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Looking forward to next time.
1: All right, thanks. Take care and we'll see you all later. Well, there you have it. We hope you'll be a part of this conversation as we share our thoughts and ideas. Our goal, as Jim said, is to make you think. Well, after you've thought about each topic, reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Having New Eyes Podcast. Use the hashtag #HavingNewEyes New Eyes or just HNE and join us in the Season 1 dialogue as we explore topics like identity, integrity, law enforcement, and immigration. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to Having New Eyes, a podcast by Bob Hotard and Jim Jones. Download Having New Eyes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play for Android, Spotify, TuneIn, and Stitcher Radio, or on any of your favorite podcast apps. Jim thanks the many students over the decades who were his teachers on a human level. Yes, he was making mental notes. Bob would like to thank his family and the many coaches, teachers, and mentors for the support, encouragement, and inspiration. Find him on Twitter at BobHWebDesign. Some portions of today's program may have been pre recorded. Music by Jay Kleiner from the album I Am Me, live from the living room. Stream Jay's music on SoundCloud.com. HE is recorded in San Antonio, Texas at the studios of Game Day Media Enterprises. Audio engineer is Jason Barrera. Executive producer, Bob Hotard. All rights reserved. I'm Becky Steinmetz. Remember, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes.